exclusive live interviews. People, I think, have got that hunger back for hockey. Game highlights. Shot score! Jordan Everly set up by Taylor Hall. Expert analysis and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Terry Peranich Real Estate Team. Edmonton's number one real estate resource. Now... From the Cabela's Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio. Oilers Radio. 6.30 Shed. Here's Dustin Buff. Swings it across. Enstrom a shot. That fool Talbot may have been ticked, but he was able to get it with a glove. He got almost everything tonight. Cam Talbot brilliant again. 39 saves leading the Edmonton Oilers to a 2-1 road victory over the Winnipeg Jets. And that was your save of the game for Armour Insurance working today to protect your tomorrow. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins, Terry Peranich, Real Estate Team Overtime Open Line from the Cabela's Broadcast Centre. It is 7.59. We invite you to give us your thoughts tonight. 780-496-0063 is the phone number. You can tweet me at Reed Wilkins and you can text... 630, 630. Lori Korpakoski, the game winner. Patrick Maroon scored for the Oilers. Four points in three games since the trade. Mark Shifley, who's been on fire for the Jets, got their only goal and was very dangerous all evening, evening long. Well, Rob, we have started a few shows like this over the last week and a half, and we got to do it again tonight because Cam Talbot, extremely solid. 207 saves on... 214 shots in his last six games. Uh, I mean, barely over a goal a game against. And obviously, you put that kind of backbone on your team, uh, you're, you're going to get some points. He's playing well. He looks comfortable out there. Uh, he's not swimming out there. It's not as though you know he's having to make all these five-bell saves because he's positioned right. And, and the team in front of him, they're, they're doing a good job clearing the way, allowing him to see the pucks. And the ones that he can't, he's finding a way to, to, to find them. So it was another strong effort by Talbot. This is what the Oilers hoped for when they made the move to get him in the offseason. He had a little hiccup earlier in the season, but since then he's been lights out. Oilers win it 2-1 over the Winnipeg Jets. They played the final 50 minutes of this game without Brandon Davidson, who's been their top defenseman certainly since the All-Star break. That's our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better with help from your chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Kind of a you know, strange play. Bufflin actually got a high-sticking penalty on the play, but it was uh, looked like Davidson's left leg that gave him the trouble. Yeah, it looked like his knee. Uh, Bufflin's a big man, and he was coming with full speed and just awkwardly went into Davidson, and Davidson took most of the weight of Bufflin, and his knee looked like it buckled a bit. He was down in obvious pain very quickly. They showed him on TV sitting in a wheelchair, and I think that's more to to move him from one room to another without him having to walk, so obviously he does, couldn't put any pressure on it. Not good. Uh, not good, A, for the team, because he is their best defenseman by far right now. And not good for for Davidson because he's having a a breakout season. You don't want it to end like this. All right, we'll go to the phone lines here, 780-496-0063. We have Ron up first tonight. Ron, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hey, guys, how are you tonight? Doing well. Great. So I just wanted to talk about uh, the Oilers in the second period. Like, they usually used to give up so many goals in the second period, lose the trade, and uh, end up losing. But now for the last one week, the second period looks much better. They are actually scoring goals, giving up less goals. Well, yeah, the second period, I'm just going to double-check the goal differential here off the uh, notes. Uh, 
Now, they didn't have a good second period against Philadelphia, but they still outscored the Flyers 2-0, so sometimes that happens. The Oilers in the second period uh, have now been outscored 72-49 on the season, so it's still a minus 22. And it's the minus 22, but like today they scored two goals. They gave up only one. Yeah, they only gave up the one goal, but they did give up 20 shots in the second period. So I think yeah. the play of Talbot may have masked a little bit of the period for the Oilers because the Oilers were were the second best team at times out there tonight uh but they have a goaltender right now that is standing on his head and allowing the amazing Oilers goaltender amazing goaltender yeah. excellent job yeah no he he did a great job this is exactly what they needed from him and they're getting it that's true all right thank you guys yeah right on thanks for calling Ron we appreciate it i got to redo my math second period now 72 49 for the Oilers opponents so that would be minus 23 right I forgot to have the Jets goal today. Sure. But yeah, it's 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 been a bad period that's been a little better lately at least in terms of the scoreboard. Talbot clearly the first star tonight, 39 saves. Patrick Maroon, another strong game for him. He's the second star. Andre Pavlik selected as the third star. Rob and I are going to give out the fourth star of the game. It's for Mission or Allen Auctioneering. Try the auction advantage. We have the selection. You set the price. Check out maauctions.com. Well, I mean, there's a number of players tonight, Reed, that could have been the four star. Sacra plays 26 minutes. Uh, I, I thought that uh, Taylor Hall had a strong game. Drysdale had a strong game. McDavid had a strong game. But I thought, you know, a line change happened during the game tonight. Yakupov was pulled off the McDavid line. Korpakoski was moved onto the line and immediately scores a goal that turns out to be the game-winning goal. Uh, 14 minutes and a goal for Lori Korpakoski. He is our four-star of the game. Korpakoski's eighth of the season, second in the last three games. He also scored against the Philadelphia Flyers. We have Dave on line two. Dave, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hey, boys. How you doing? Doing very well. First-time caller, been an Oiler fan from day one. Good to hear from you. I won't tell you how old I am. <laughs> Rob, you just said Taylor Hall and Leon played a good game. I kind of agree with you, mm-hmm. but I'm a diehard Oiler fan. But I need to know, why do those guys never hit anybody? I mean, Especially it's... in our own end, right? Like, like tonight, I'm watching the game, Winnipeg's pushing, you know, they, they're battling in around the face-off dot in, in the corner, and instead of playing the body to get the puck to clear the zone, it's just, I'll stick-check you to death, and it doesn't work. It drives me nuts. Well, okay, two things on that. A, yeah, they, they have to be physical, but they're not going to be big body check. I mean, you don't ask Hendricks to score goals, so don't ask Hall and, oh. and Leon to go run around. But having said that, in defensive zone, you have to have body positioning. You can't be stick-checking. If you stick-check and miss, your entire body is thrown out of position, and now you're in trouble. And there are times that offensive players cheat, because uh, they think, okay, if I tip this past this guy, I'm gone. And sometimes they, they do that, and they get themselves into more trouble. Uh, it's still a work in progress. Uh, Taylor Hall should be better at because he's been in the league a long time. Uh, Leon Drysaddle's still learning, and young sure. players do make those mistakes. So I give, I give Drysaddle a, a bit more of a free pass on this one. Uh, I thought, I, but I thought as a line, they, they were strong. I thought the addition of Maroon on their line has changed that line. Uh, yeah. And he's, he's been a great – and, and there's where your physicality comes in for that line because he does it all. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Korpakoski or maybe, as Bob keeps saying, Cassian has moved up to the McDavid line so that you have a, some strength, some bulliness on the top two lines and allow them to get more so on the forecheck and create things down below the goal line. 
Okay, sure. Yeah, just you know, just as a fan, right? I mean, just time in and time again, you know, game in, game out. Like, there's so many opportunities. I mean, Yakupov. I mean, the guy can hit when he throws his. And that's when a guy Hall's not a small guy. He looks pretty stocky out there, and that's what just drives me nuts as a fan. It's like you have a you have an opportunity to play the body, probably get the puck and, and get going, but they just you know like ha like Howie Meeker says, they go for the big skate. You know, it's like ah. Yeah, and it's it's a lot of the time you don't have to throw the big hit, exactly. but you but you've got to just use your body, lean on the guy because if you lean on him, that guy's not going anywhere. When you stick check and you miss, well, that guy's going the other way and you've lost him. So yeah, you don't have to throw the big hit, but you do need to use your body to position it against him, therefore not allowing him to beat you to the net. Yeah, I'd love to see the stat. I mean, I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Like, how many hits does Taylor Hall actually throw in a year? It can't be very many. Yeah, but again, I, I'm not I but, on the guy. But no, but but it, it once again it goes. How many goals does Hendricks, or how many goals does um, yeah. Cracknell get? I mean, that's not they didn't they didn't draft Taylor Hall to hit people. They no, didn't draft no, totally Jordan Aberle to hit people. But hmm? if you have the chance to play the body, why aren't you playing the body? Because that's not his game. It, it, it's I mean, do you, uh, let's talk. Steven Stamkos. Have you ever seen him hit anybody? Oh. Patrick Kane. Do you ever seen him hit anybody? Well, Patrick Kane's pretty small. No, but. But if you got a chance to hit, the, use your body. The Sedins, have you ever seen the Sedins hit anybody? Well, do we need to go there? Well, the Sedins are great <laughs> hockey players. Yeah, yeah. They're great hockey players. So uh, skilled players, I mean, there there are some players that you get that can do both, and they're hard to come by. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, an Alex Ovechkin, which, which set him so oh. much different than any other player in the world, because he, he can beat you physically and he can beat you with his goal scoring. Yeah. But that's why he is a, a superstar of a different level. Uh, Taylor Hall's not there. Now, can they be more physical? Yes. But at, at the end of the game, the coaching staff is not going to go down the game sheet on Taylor Hall and look at hits. He's just not. He's going to look at, you know, if he's stick-checking. He's going to look if he's cheating. He's going to look to make sure that he's coming back in the right areas defensively, getting pucks in, getting pucks out. Those are important things. And Taylor Hall uh, still needs improvement on those. But he is getting better. He's better than he was five years ago. Right. But he still does need to get better. You're right. And I will say this, Dave. I, I do think that Taylor Hall bought into McClellan's stressing of playing inside the other guy's equipment pretty quickly. Yeah. And that doesn't always come in the form of a body check. It comes in the form of getting your nose and your shoulders over top of the puck. And, you know, you have seen Hall, maybe not as much tonight, but some games where he really was able to steal the puck or keep pucks alive because he's getting his hips right in on the other guy and, 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 and working underneath the puck, working yeah. underneath the man. And the one thing, too, when you, what you look for it's with skilled players, it's not as much how, how often they throw a hit. It's their willingness to go to an area where they know they are going to get hit to make a play. And a perfect, a point, Rob. Yeah, a yeah. perfect example is Connor McDavid. You see him drive the net. He knows he's oh, yeah. going to get hit, but he's the willingness to do that. And if you want to be a goal scorer, if you want to be an effective goal scorer in the NHL, you've got to be willing to take a hit to make a play. If you are, then you're one step ahead of the other guys who are perimeter players. Totally Dave, agree with you. thanks for calling, Dave. We appreciate it. 780-496-0063. Oilers knock off the Jets 2-1. The Oilers go 3-1 and on a four-game road trip. They're now 10-21-5 away from home on the season. Obviously been a tough go on the road for the Oilers, but uh, their best road trip of the season, I, I guess, excluding the one they went 2-0 and where they only played Vancouver and Calgary. But uh, anything longer than that, this is their best of the year. You can also text us at uh, 630-630. 
Luke in Ottawa says, hey guys, I must say the team is really starting to take shape. The bigger body additions along with stellar goaltending and a healthy McDavid. I'm wondering who you guys think may get called up to replace Davidson as it would appear we may be without him for possibly the remainder of the season. Thanks. That is from Luke. Well, Reed and I, you and I, you and I were talking about this as soon as we saw Davidson get hurt. Um, I would do, I would send down Nikitin and Clendenning and bring up both Osterley and Reinhardt. That's what I do. Nikitin's not in your future at all. I don't believe Clendenning is in their future at all. Reinhardt and Osterley are. So why not give them the opportunity to fi- finish the season up here? I know that there's a rule to do with how many guys you can call up and send down at the end of the season. I don't exa- know the exact rule. But if I, in a perfect world, Reinhardt and Osterley would both be up. Nikitin and Clendenning would both be down. We'll hear the full Todd McClellan comments later, Rob, but he says that Davidson's lower body injury is not looking good. He'll be further assessed when they are back in Edmonton tomorrow. So a tough break for Davidson, Mm -hmm. who's come so far this year, especially since the All-Star break, just so steady, so smart. You know, a little bit of offense. He picked up a goal, a couple of assists, but, but just such a reliable player. And... You know, the, the team still gives up a lot of shots, and, and you wonder where the shot clock's going to go with Davidson not out there for a third of the game or more. Well, I, I think you used the best word with Davidson is reliable. I, I, and he's got to trust now with the coaching staff that when he's on the ice, they feel comfortable. It's one of those one, okay, we're going to put Davidson. Okay, now we, I, I can actually look down at my sheet and write something down because I know nothing bad's going to happen when Davidson's out here. I, I know we'll hear Todd talk about the, the injury. I honestly don't think Davidson will play again this season. Just the way he went down, and the fact that he couldn't put any pressure on his knee, and that, and it's sad, and, and for two reasons: for the team, and personally for him, it's been such a great season for him that you want to finish strong, go into the off season, and prepare for next year. You got the new contract, and and now the, the Oilers know, okay, we got the safety guy in, in, in Davidson. Now, depending on the the severity and the length, it's going to be a completely different summer for Brandon Davidson. And that, that's sad for a kid that's had a, a, a super season. Oilers win it 2-1. That means a $100 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation coming from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. Booster Juice donating 50 bucks for every Oilers goal all season long. The total for the year now up to $8,050. You can also follow it on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. 2-1, Oilers win over the Jets. We have Gary on the line, 780-496-0063. Good evening, Gary. Reed, well, thanks for taking my call. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Well, greedy game tonight. Uh, Talbot definitely won the game tonight. Uh, uh, the, the, the big save made on the Boston's shot there on, on the uh, right. Getting his uh, catcher hand on it, I remember. Yep. And then getting the goalpost there off Shifley. Um, it's incredible the amount of injuries we've incurred over the last how many, how many years, uh, especially near the end of the season. And uh, losing Davidson's a big, big loss. Uh, I understand that the uh, biggest two corners are in the playoff race right now, but I don't know if you want to pull, you know, um, you mentioned earlier uh, uh, pulling. Uh, um, Reinhardt and Osterley. Reinhardt and uh, who's the other fellow? Osterley. Osterley, yeah. Well, probably the two other best men to fill the lineup. But uh, uh, with what, with 15, 16 games left, I, I, if they're in a playoff hunt and that, I would just maybe just leave them down there and just let play with the guys we got right now, you know? Just um, kind of I, you know, I understand your, your, your thought process on that one. But having said that, if if you've got an opportunity to see if Osterley and Reinhardt can play at this level consistently, because they're going to—I mean—they're going to play the remainder of the year, 
and, and just get you get a really good read on what they've got and how far away they are or and where they're going to be you know next year the year after so this this off season's a lot of work again for Peter Shirelli and a lot of it's on the back end will Reinhardt be one of the defensemen playing here next year is Jordan Osterley going to be a number five defenseman in the National Hockey League is he going to be a number seven and now because of injuries you get an opportunity to see that uh, I, I know helping the, the minor league team is important. Todd McClellan's talked about the fact that he wants his young players to go down, learn how to win at any level. But I think right now it, it's better to find out what these kids can do at the National Hockey League level to, fi- to know what you need to do in the summer about bringing in defensive help. All right, 780-496-0063. We got Austin next on the line. We're also looking for somebody to finish the play if you want to win 50 bucks to Panda Hut Express and be thrown into the grand prize draw for $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Love your ride with Integra Tire in Edmonton, Sherwood Park, Fort Saskatchewan, and Stony Plain. Open phone line, 780-496-0063. The final tonight, Oilers 2, Jets 1. Terry Peranich, real estate team. Overtime open line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. Live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, this is the Terry Peranish Team Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Korpakoski advances to McDavid with Enstrom Mack defensively. He centers one-timer Clendenning. Didn't get it off. Sekra's open. Couldn't pull the trigger. Now a back at her save. Rebound score. Korpakoski bangs it in. And it's 2-1 Edmonton. Korpakoski, who had that long drought, 32 games without a goal, now has two in his last three. And the Oilers have another lead in this hockey game. And they would hang on to it. 2-1 the final knocking off the Winnipeg Jets. The only problem with these low-scoring games, Rob, is no Japanese village goal light. The Oilers have to score five or more in a game for us to turn that on on 630Ched.com slash Oilers. When they do hit five again, and you said it would happen, when did you say it was going to happen? I said it would happen on this road trip. I was right. We Did we have five goals on the trip total? It was a low-scoring oh, trip. That's yes. <laughs> uh, brought to you by Japanese Village, three locations downtown, south side and north side. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It's 8.20. You can reach us at 780-496-0063. In a minute or two here, you're going to hear from the winning goaltender, Cam Talbot. Brilliant again with 39 saves. But first, we have Austin on the line. Good evening, Austin. Uh, thanks for taking my call. No problem. Uh, I was just calling about what's our top four going to be looking like for the rest of the season? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I guess you have Nurse and Sekera. And those are the only two defensemen I see on our team for the future. Yeah, Clendenning's, uh, well, Fane might be around just because of his contract. Um, I throw up every time I see Nikitin step on the ice. I hope they don't play Nikitin anymore. I mean, Clefbaum, I don't know, is Clefbaum back before the season's over? Well, they, they were hopeful that he would be. But we'll see. We haven't really heard his name I mean, bandied on, on, about. On Tuesday, who's going to play? Nurse, Sekera, Party, Fane. Well, then they have to decide on Clendenning, Nikitin, or if they bring or up Osterley or Reinhardt. I mean, I, I'd let Osterley play a few more games. I mean, I know it's maybe not best for his development, but at this point, I mean, what else do you do? Did you bring up Brad Hunt again? For, no, you bring, like, a, you bring you up bring Reinhardt, Reinhardt and Osterley, the guys you bring up. Yeah, Brad I Hunt. think you give Reinhardt a shot yep. as well. I agree. Yeah, is that what you would do, like Austin? Yeah, look at you look at the D-men in his draft class, Riley, all those D-men. They're they're making their impact. Griffin Reinhardt's it's time for him to start making some moves. Enough development, I feel like. He's got to start 
The problem is he's on the ice. His problem is he's he's not there. He's not as good as those guys yet. And the the reason he's down in the Mariners is they were afraid that if they kept them up here, confidence would be shaken because he wasn't good enough to play here at this point. Having said that, because of injuries, he may have to. Just like Darnell Nurse. I mean, the perfect world, he would have spent a lot more time in the minors this year. And he's had a roller coaster year. Thrown into the fire, Darnell Nurse. Yeah, and so, I mean, now it'll be a very inexperienced defense if they do bring up an Osterley or if they bring up a Reinhardt. And it's tough. But unfortunately, injuries happen, and they're happening even worse to players that eat up big minutes, which is forcing a lot of guys to play outside their comfort zone. Yeah, exactly. And Nail Yakpo, I feel like every time he starts playing with McDavid, his confidence grows because he wants to get the puck to him at every chance. But then when he plays with Letestu, he just I feel like his spirit dies down because he knows even if he gets Letestu the puck, not much offense is coming. But the problem for, for a player is, you, you know, everybody wants to play with McDavid. I mean, you, you can get Cracknell would love to play with McDavid. Uh, yeah. But unfortunately, there's only two spots. And when he got his opportunities, uh, he didn't produce enough for one, and it's the it's the defensive mistakes. And today there was one where he had the puck at the offensive blue line and he threw a hope pass that turned into a two-on-one for the Winnipeg Jets. You can't do that. Uh, the coaching staff will hold you responsible. And if he does go down with a different player, his spirit can't sag because uh, it, what you're telling your teammates is, well, if, if I'm not playing uh, with McDavid, well, then why even play? Like, you other slugs, why would I want to play with you guys? That's not the attitude to have. Well, that's exactly what I'd love. would love to see the three centers in. So we have three lines going with three centermen that can actually carry some offense. Well, yeah, we should see. Well, I mean, the, the the target date, I think, for Nuge is Saturday. We'll probably know more in a couple of days here. Thanks, Austin. All right, well, yeah. Okay. yeah, that's all I'm talking about. Thanks, guys. Yeah, right on. No, thanks a lot for calling. Uh, i tell you what, Sean and Chris, you're next on the open line, but I think people want to hear from the guy who has been the Oilers' best player, really, for a while. Here's goaltender Cam Talbot. And tonight, uh, what did you think the difference maker was? I thought just the way that we cleared out in front of the net. Uh, tonight, I didn't. Uh, I left a lot of rebounds sitting there in front. I made the first save, but we did a heck of a job of uh, clearing out those rebounds and not letting their big bodies get to them. Did it feel like a 40-shot game? Yeah, <laughs> it, it kind of did. I mean, I felt like they were uh, hemmed in our zone. They're really good at protecting the puck below the goal line, and I felt like they had some good possession. But at the same time, we did the same thing uh, below their goal line a few times. So it was a good back and forth game, and uh, gutsy one by us. Pretty good save on Shifley right at the end of the second period there. A right leg save with about 10 seconds to go. Yeah, that was more of a desperation save. I was already down thinking he was going to shoot. I didn't know how much time was left, and he made a nice move to the front, and I uh, just stuck my pad out there and tried to get a piece of it and uh, keep it a one-goalie going into the third. Buffalo's there in the third. He's kind of like thrust your body at it? or <laughs> Yeah, I was... I think that was Wheeler that I was focused on. I thought that the back door was protected. He made a good pass, and uh, I think I got lucky that Bufflin had to handle it for a quick second and gave me enough time just to to get that lunge across and, and get my glove in front of it. So are you just seeing the pucks, this, this stretch you're on where you give up like one a game, are you just seeing the puck looks the size of a proverbial beach ball? Or? Yeah, I mean, when a goalie gets on a roll, I mean, sometimes the puck seems a little bit bigger, and when you're not seeing the puck well, I mean, you can struggle. So, um, luckily for me, it's going in the right direction right now, and I'm going to try and keep it going as long as I can. Yeah, well, it sure is for Talbot. Again, his last six games, he's faced 214 shots. He has stopped 207, 39 out of 40 tonight. Oilers beat the Winnipeg Jets 2-1. Uh, Kozak texting in, he says, Shirelli was saying Clefbaum was going to be back around the same time as Nuge. He did say that. I doubt that happens because Nugent Hopkins is skating with the Oilers. 
and Clefbaum is not. I mean, skating with the, the main group, not on their own with the injured guys. And, and you got to wonder, too, how, I mean, how long it's going to take Clefbaum yeah. once he's cleared to play to get back into shape? Because it's how long has it been Clefbaum been out now? That 7-5 game, December 11th over the Rangers was his last game. Yeah, he so has missed. Uh, tonight was his 38th game out. And I, coming, I've, been, I've come back from injuries, and I know how long it takes to get back into the, the speed of it. And it, even more so, if you're a defenseman, it's a much tougher position. So for him, once he starts practicing, I mean, then he's still a few weeks away after that. So the, the season is dwindling down. And the op- the chance of Clefbaum coming back and playing before the season is done is getting uh, smaller and smaller. Oilers win 2-1 over the Winnipeg Jets. Sean, you're going to play finish the play. I want you to listen very closely to this little snippet from the game. He'll hit center, tried to float it in deep. That was batted down. And Nail Yakupov comes the other way, feeds McDavid for a breakaway. McDavid, back hitter. All right, Sean. Well, if you know anything about this game tonight, you should know goal or no goal. No goal. He'll hit center, tried to float it in deep. That was batted down, and Nail Yakupov comes the other way, feeds McDavid for a breakaway. McDavid, back hit it and by Pavlik, and now he's got it back. Exciting play. About five minutes into the game, Pavlik denying McDavid. Backhand deke. Pavlik got the glove on it. Scott or Sean, hang on to the line there. You get the 50 bucks to Panda Hut Express. You're in the grand prize draw for 1000 bucks to Integra Tire. All right, we've got to take a brick, uh, a, a brick quake. A quick break for the uh, 8.30 news. And uh, then we're going to come back with Chris from Phoenix. Chris, just hang on to the line, please. The Oilers beat the Jets 2-1. Terry Peranich, overtime open line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. You're listening to the Terry Peranich team, overtime open line. Now, live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 6.30, Chad. Maroon, back to drive, side of left circle. Feeds Hall, around Buffalo Center. What timer score? And it's Patrick Maroon again for the Edmonton Oilers. That's two goals and four points in his first three games with Edmonton. one nothing for the Oilers. Beautiful cycle executed with Maroon finishing up for, if you include his Anaheim time, his sixth of the year. Time, 525. That made it one nothing. Oilers in the second period. The Jets tied it 51 seconds later. That made it four times in a row that the Oilers had scored and then allowed a goal less than a minute later because it happened after all three goals in Columbus. Korpakoski scored later in the second period. The Jets did not reply to this one. Talbot makes 39 saves and the Oilers win it. 2-1. They're on their way back home. They will play the San Jose Sharks on Tuesday. 780-496-0063. Chris from Phoenix checking in tonight. Hello, Chris. Hey, what's up, uh, guys? Uh, great show again. Uh, I just want to say a couple of thanks to uh, one, to uh, Connor McDavid for uh, getting us an outdoor game. I heard it's classic because <laughs> I don't think that the Oilers would, would get another one probably for a long time if it wasn't for Connor. Uh, and then uh, I want to thank uh, once an Oiler, always an Oiler. I want to thank uh, Glenn Sather for uh, Gift wrapping us, uh, Cam Talbot, because he's uh, he's been phenomenal. Uh, out of all the goalies that uh, were rumored to be on the market last uh, last off season, uh, I think we got the best one. Uh, even even though uh, Jones, I think is, is playing pretty decently this year, but uh, Cam has been uh, he's been sensational. Uh, just just from from what we have in front of him, that the guy the guy is just he's been rock solid and. Uh, before I get to the injury comment, uh, I know Davidson. I'm not taking anything away from Davidson, but how much of Davidson's, uh, you know, uh, 
play this year has been credited to uh, Todd McClellan because, uh, you know, he's, he's a he's got a great coaching staff, so I'm thinking that uh, they might have, uh, you know, helped in, in some of the, uh, the development that we've seen from him. Yeah, you could then, you could uh, say you could go that way, but then you look at a Justin Schultz and how come he didn't develop? So I, I to me it's more. I mean, J- Todd McClellan obviously helps, but this one's on Davidson, and I think it's on Davidson oh, yeah, spending a number of years in the minors, learning his trade down there, so that when he came up to the NHL level, he was fully prepared and was able to go into it and not have any setbacks. Yeah, no doubt he's he's obviously got it upstairs, and uh, these injuries. I, I know I know teams all go through injuries, but it's like we are like cursed or something because we get the fluke ones. Like, it's not even funny. You, you see, you, Taylor Hall, rookie season, messes up his ankle. Uh, Nugent Hopkins trips over air, screws up his shoulder. It's like, every, it seems when we get an injury, it's not just some rant, some some injury, some hockey injury that, you know, will happen more so than not. We get these, like, I have no idea. So, hopefully he gets better, and uh, let's go Oilers. Yeah, right on, Chris. Thanks a lot for calling. Always appreciate it. Rob, before we get to Todd McClellan here, and he'll speak a little more about Brandon Davidson, what did you think of the penalty to Bufflin on that play? I think it was a reaction penalty by the referee. He saw Davidson go down. Davidson may actually have let out a a moan or a scream going down because obviously he was in a ton of pain. And I think the ref thought, oh, he must have got hit in the head with a stick. Which he did. There shouldn't have been a penalty on the play. I think the, the ref saw a player injured, saw a stick up high, and just called the penalty. You saw Bufflin. He was... Okay, seriously, I'm getting a penalty for this. So I, it was the wrong call, and but wrong calls are made all the time. So it, it just it just sucks so much right now for Brandon Davidson for the year that he's having to to have the year finish off like this. Both teams 0 for 2 on the power play. All the penalties were called in the first period. The Oilers beat the Jets 2-1. Jason, you're up next on the phone lines, but let's bring in Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. I got to start with uh, Cam Talbot again. Outstanding for you and Net. Yeah, it's almost becoming routine for him. I don't, don't mean the effort's easy by any means, but the uh, the results of him uh, being a wall back there and giving us an opportunity to scratch and claw for uh, for wins is uh, it's been pretty impressive. Um, he got a little rest when we went to Columbus, and um, you know if we can keep him up and running and healthy, um, not only this year but moving forward, we feel we've got a really good one there. Your blue line's been in a state of flux all season with injuries and whatnot, and you lost another one today. Do you have an update on Brandon Davis? Uh, we'll have a better read tomorrow when we get back and he gets to see our doctors. Obviously, it didn't look good and couldn't return, so uh, I would say right now it's it's not looking good. But uh, until we get him in to, uh, to be reviewed, reviewed pardon me, um, that's all we can really give you. It seemed like he just tangled up with Buff, whereas it looked like he got the stick in the face, and then... Yeah, it was. Uh, I wouldn't worry about his face or his head. It's yeah, yeah. That's what I thought he was. I thought he was uh, hit with a stick and maybe had a, a head problem or something like that. But uh, you know, it's his leg, and um, you know, it doesn't look good right now. But uh, until we get the doctor's review and, and get some pictures of it, we we don't really know. Up there with well, I, I, we were in a tight game, and I thought that line was giving up far too many opportunities against. And Corpy was playing hard on the walls. This team pinches a lot. They do uh, some heavy board work. And Corpy was real strong on the board. So it was a more defensive mover on our maneuver on our behalf, not necessarily an offensive one. But he went to the net. Um, we got a puck there. He scored in the blue paint, so good for him. He keeps going. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's funny how players can change the uh, 
Well, I shouldn't say that because we tried to adopt that scrappy, uh, hard, tenacious style uh, heading into Los Angeles and, and guys bought into it. Now adding a few bodies, uh, it's just grown and, and guys are, are actually talking about it on the bench. They're, they're embracing it. Uh, it's not always pretty. We're not always out of our end. Uh, we do get outshot at times, but uh, we're finding ways to win with what we have and uh, the guys are proud of that. Yep. Well, I think if you watch, it's got to be 85, 90% of the, the goals scored in the league are scored from that area. So, um, you know, if I'm a player, I'm turning on uh, one of the networks, uh, either in Canada or in the U.S., and I'm watching the goals every night and saying, okay, i got to find a way to get to that spot when the puck is loose and I have a chance to be a 10-goal scorer. Todd, is there value in holding a lead for 23 minutes, not needing overtime, and closing it out and, and winning a one-goal game in regulation? In terms of getting over that hump. Yeah, we've played, um, you know, we've played a lot of one-goal games, whether we won or lost and, and also got to overtime. It was nice to keep this one uh, in that 60-minute range. Got a little help from a post or a crossbar at the end, and, and Talbot's played well, but... Um, for the amount of hockey we played and, and the schedule we have ahead of us for the next two weeks, uh, the fewer minutes, the better it is in our group. You're just making all the saves look not routine, but you know, like you save it on Shifley right at the end of the second period there. On, you know, on the yeah, I, <coughs> I think when that happens, uh, a goaltender is one confident, two, he's in a real good position, he's reading the plays and anticipating. Uh, where the puck is going and if he just has to worry about the first one and not necessarily the second or third uh, it helps and uh, I believe we're getting better in that area we're going to keep trying to get better in that area but he's been a big part of of our run here in the last uh, 10 days putting points in the bank all right so the Oilers win it tonight 2-1 over the Winnipeg Jets yes Cam Talbot brilliant again that was head coach Todd McClellan along with Rob Brown I'm Reed Wilkins. It is 8.41. We're going to have more post-game reaction. We have Korpikoski and Maroon standing by as well. we got a phone call, though. We have Jason on the line. Jason, thanks for giving us a ring. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I just want to talk about uh, uh, Yakupov a little bit. I don't. I didn't like the move taking him off. I thought he looked really good on the top line. And uh, the other thing about Yakupov is I, I don't know why the coaching staff in the power play unit we don't get him, you know, where Ovechkin stands, getting one-timers and ripping him from the slot. I don't understand why we can't work that into his game. He's got an awesome shot. Like, every time he just gets the, the worst shake of a stick, every time with Yakupov. Well, like, a, a couple things on Yakupov. The, Yakupov is not, he's not good enough to play with Connor McDavid. He's just not. Uh, defensively, he, he, he's got defl- defensive deficiencies, and a lot of players do but you overlook some deficiencies if they can produce in the offensive zone, and he doesn't do that. He got a, a number of looks in the last few games with McDavid, hasn't capitalized on them. Playing with McDavid, he's not a guy that goes to the blue paint uh, often. He's a perimeter-type player. And tonight, when Todd McClellan talked about the reason they took Yakupov off, it wasn't because he thought Korpikoski was better offensively, but they were just giving up too many chances yeah, against. I, I realize that, and I know Korpikoski got a little lucky. He got a garbage yep, goal. Going, going to the but blue the, paint, yep. But the thing is, is I disagree with you, Rob. I don't think he's he's. You actually think he's not good enough to play with those two? I do. He's fast. He's reaction. Yakupov. Yakupov's not fast. He's not a fast skater. No, he's not. He's 
He, 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 his body, he moves his arms and his legs. He's not fast. If you go watch them practice and you watch him practice with the other players, he's not a fast skater. If you talk about his... Pardon me? Sorry, Jason, we lost you there. Are you still there? Can you check the connection there, uh, Kellen? Oh, I got it. Okay, Jason, Jason, stay on hold. We're going to try and get your and, connection. And then, and then you talked about Yakupov does not have a good one-timer. And I know that when he came into the league, that everyone was excited about a one-timer. Yakupov's got a great snapshot. It's a very quick, very deceptive snapshot. He doesn't have a good one-timer. We see that he fans on as many as he hits. The other problem for Yakupov on the power play, if you want to set him up like Novechkin, Yakupov is a left-handed shot. The Oilers do not have a right-handed guy that's going to control their power play. Their power plays run off the same side that Yakupov would be on for one-timers, so it's either McDavid or Dreisaitl, or when Nugent Hopkins was there, he was in the same spot. They're the right-handed, He would need to be right-handed to play in the, the Ovechkin style uh, of power play. And they're not going to put their, make their power play go through Yakupov. He just, there, there's been four coaches or five coaches that have all had the same issues with, with Yakupov. He just, without the puck, he's not good enough and is not good enough with the puck to overcome that. And I, I like Yakupov. I think he's a good kid. But he is not uh, hes not good enough to play with Connor McDavid. And I, I'm sorry, and I know there's a lot of people that are big fans of Neil Yakupov, but this isn't just me saying that. This is this year's coaching staff. It was last year's coaching staff. It was the coaching staff the year before, and it's word around the National Hockey League. Uh, Jason, thanks for calling. I th- I, he must have hung up because I think we reconnected him with him. But uh, Topher Allen says, Yakamania, some fans' obsession with this guy is beyond bizarre. If he was picked number three overall, do you think there would still be this insanity? That's from Topher Allen, who's well, always a good texture. I mean, look, here's how here's how I look at everybody, and this comes up on Inside Sports all all the time. And, and I kind of feel like I'm beating my head against the wall because if, if you've decided something about a player – I guess you've you've decided it, and I and I will say this for me. I kind of got testy with someone the other night. It's not about me personally or Rob disliking or liking a player. We're just telling you what we see. We're mm-hmm. we're not saying we're we're right all the time, but you know, and players have the opportunity to change. But the the thing is with Yakupov is the the fact is he is not getting as much ice time as at least half of the other forwards, as in he usually gets third or fourth line ice time. So either you believe, if if you're upset about that, you believe one of two things, that Todd McClellan wakes up in the morning and decides, I am going to do whatever I can to shaft Nail Yakupov and make all his supporters happy. The other thing you could believe is, is that Todd McClellan is seeing something that I'm not seeing. This this is if you're a, a real a Yak supporter. So I think most of you are logical enough to know that an NHL coach didn't get to where he is by singling out a player on a team over 68 games and being quote-unquote mean to him. So I, I guess you're going to have to accept that, that Todd McClellan s- sees something you don't and is simply making different decisions than you might make if you were the Oilers head coach, because he keeps making these decisions game after game, week after week, month after month, when it comes to Yakupov's ice time. And it follows on the previous coaching staff and the coaching staff before that. So it's, and, and there there comes a time for a player where he, where he has to decide either the coaches are right or he is right. If he's going to believe what the coaches are saying to him, then he's going to change. He's going to start doing the things that the coaches want him to do. 
If he doesn't do that and believes, okay, no, no, I think I'm doing it the right way, well, then he's not going to play. And I think that's what's happened with Neil Yakbov. The same mistakes, I mean, tonight, and we, we talked about it, Reed and I, the one play was he had the puck coming across the blue line, get the puck in deep, throw the puck on net, get into a forecheck. Instead, he, he had a whole backhand pass that turned into a two-on-one goal in the other way. The Oilers right now are a one-goal team. They win by one goal. It's all low-scoring games right now. Their goaltenders are giving them a, big, a great opportunity to win games, but they're all low-scoring games. So if you're giving up a two-on-one on a play where you have complete control of the puck, the coaching staff is not going to be happy. And when and I think, Reed, you touched on it a bit there. I like Neil Yakpov. And there's sometimes when we do uh, analysis of a player, it's hard because you're, you're giving a, a negative analysis of a player that you really like as a person, and there's other players that you don't really, eh, don't really care for that guy, but you've got to give positive because there's positive things he's doing on the ice. I like Neil Yakpov. I, I, I want him to have success. I think the Oilers would be better if he was a better hockey player. If Neil Yakupov lived up to what everyone wanted him to be, this Oilers team, would they don't have to go find a guy this summer to play in their top six because they already have him. But... The Oilers' management, the Oilers' coaching staff, from the way that Nail has been handled for the last five years, don't believe that Nail Yakupov is the answer in their top six. If they thought he was the answer, he would have been playing more minutes and he wouldn't have to wait for injuries to get to where he is. All right, it's 8.48. The Oilers win 2-1 over the Winnipeg Jets. You'll hear from Lori Korpakoski, who got the game winner tonight when we get back. Live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, this is the Terry Peranich Team Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Oilers beat the Winnipeg Jets 2-1. Lori Korpakoski had the game-winning goal. Uh, Lori, you're on a little bit of a hot streak here with the goal scoring. You're feeling more confident as of late, and you had a chance to play up the lineup as well tonight. Oh, uh, well, yeah, you know... Uh... Uh, last few games, you were able to find the net there. Uh, obviously, uh, you need some good plays by your teammates, and uh, I was able to capitalize today. Does your game change at all when they put you up there with like McDavid and Eberle? Well, you try to just play your game, obviously. Uh, uh, maybe a little more uh, defensively orientated, let them to let those two go and make their plays. And But you got to be, be involved, too. So, yeah, uh, so lucky to, we're happy to get the goal today and get the win. When all that you went like thirty some games without a goal, now you've got two and three. So you're you're either feast or famine. Yeah, yeah, it's a funny game that way. Uh, but you, I mean, you just got to stay with it. You can't uh, start cheating the game. You just got to play the right way every game. Hopefully, the chances will come. And, and uh, now I've been, uh, you know, be able to score two goals here in a little time. So hopefully, I'll keep going. How upset were you going that long without a goal? Were you starting to think uh, I'm not that? Well, yeah, it uh, weighs, weighs on you for sure, your mind back in the head uh, every day. So, But uh, you just got to work, uh, work work, it on uh, practice, make sure you shoot a lot of pucks, and, uh, and uh, hopefully uh, you know you, you get that first one. That is Lori Korpakoski as the Oilers beat the Jets 2-1. Camp Talbot, big story again, 39 saves. Prav texting in, he says, thought this was McDavid's best game where he was kept off the score sheet. Your thoughts? I, I thought he was good. I thought he was very good. Created chances, drove the puck hard to the net. Uh, had a couple good opportunities. Set up his player, his teammates or line mates for a couple great opportunities. Yakupov had a few early. Eberle had one. Uh, Cork, or McDavid is always going to be creating. He's just that good. There's going to be games where you don't notice him as much and he has three or four points. And there's going to be games that you notice him all over the place and he might be held pointless. 
but he's always going to be around the score sheet just because he's that good, and when he's on the ice, things happen. Tell you what, Patrick Maroon, four points in three games as an Oiler. Let's hear from him as well. I'll put you guys over the top. I thought we played really good, even though we gave up 40 shots, but uh, we got pucks deep. We grinded them down low, and we played a meat and potatoes hockey kind of game tonight. And, you know, we've been harping on that the last few games, and we got to continue that because it's been working for us. 40 shots sounds like a lot, but were you happy with the amount of chances you guys gave up? Yeah, I thought, you know, mo- mo- most of them were from the outside, I thought. I thought Talos played really good again tonight. And, uh, you know, they had some clean chances, but although we had really good D zone tonight, uh, neutral zone was pretty solid too. And like I said, we got once we got pucks deep, played meat and potatoes hockey, I thought we were really successful. We wore them out. We knew they were playing a back-to-back, and that's what we needed to do. With those, with those points, you catch them in the standings tonight. How important is that at this time of year where the two teams are? Yeah, you know, obviously uh, we're, we know where we're at in the standings, but... We want to finish the year strong. You never know what can happen. This game's a crazy game, and we just want to keep keep putting uh, games together, and you know, keep going strong, and you know, hopefully, good things happen for this team. How comfortable are you playing with those two big guys, Taylor and, and Leon? Now? Yeah, it's been good. You know, we were finding some chemistry together, and it's it's been working. Uh, the thing is with us, so we haven't got away from our game. I've been telling them just to get pucks deep and go to work and. Me and uh, we're too big and strong. I think uh, once we get down there, good things can happen for us, especially with Leon and Halsey's skill. I mean, <laughs> unbelievable skill. So I just gotta, I'll meet, I'll mock it up down there, and I'll just go to the front of that, and hopefully, good things happen. All right. So a road trip where the Oilers played four teams out of the playoffs. Only Philadelphia was close to completing competing for a playoff spot. Next couple games, a little tougher. Rob San Jose on Tuesday and Minnesota, who are in the wild card fight on Thursday. Uh, two teams that are desperate for points. Uh, San Jose is playing good hockey. They're a good, very good hockey club. And then they, they go to Minnesota, which has never been an easy place for the Edmonton Oilers. And the Minnesota Wild, they're desperate for points. So they, 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 they won games that they were expecting themselves to win. Now they're going to play against a couple of good teams. If they play the same structured style with the same battle, the same compete, and they get the same type of goaltending, I think the Oilers have a nice chance in the next couple of games. Bob Stoffer will have Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 9. Oilers will have a uh, meeting tomorrow and a media availability at 11.30. Maybe we'll know more about the Brandon Davidson injury at that point. Oilers beat the Jets 2-1. The studio producer tonight for Terry Peranich. Overtime open line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center has been Kellen Kennedy. Sid Smith, the executive producer of Oilers Hockey on 6.30 Chet. Next Oilers game Tuesday, 5.30 face-off show. Game starts at 7. Oilers home to the Sharks. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening. Have a great night.